Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Confessions of an IT Manager. I'm Joe. Let's get started. This episode is brought to you by Spoke. If you're like most people, your help desk is getting swamped with the same requests over and over. Spoke uses artificial intelligence to automatically resolve up to 50% of employee requests for you. Employees can ask Spoke questions over Slack, through email, through SMS from your cell phone, and Spoke will provide an immediate, friendly, interactive response. No more, how do I connect to the printer? How do I reset my password? What's the Wi-Fi password? How do I connect to VPN? Those day-to-day questions that you all see in your help desk. With Spoke, employees get what they need to stay happy and productive, and you get more time to focus on getting things done. IT teams using Spoke are able to get back up to four hours of productivity per week per agent by using Spoke. If you're curious about more, visit askspoke.com for a 30-day free trial. Welcome everyone to another episode of Confessions of an IT Manager. Let me start off today by saying happy sysadmin day. For those of you who don't know out there, uh, the last Friday of July is an IT holiday, so to speak. Doesn't mean we actually get to quit or leave or go home or anything like that, but it's to uh, celebrate all the hard work that systems administrators and IT pros do. It's called uh, Sysadmin Day. Uh, If you're curious about it, go uh, check out Spiceworks.com. They have a great whole thing that they do the week building up to it. It's real funny. They have a lot of giveaways and jokes and all sorts of stuff. Um, Today's actually is a quiz that you can take of how long of a break do you deserve right now based off of things you've dealt with in the past 30 days in the IT environment. It's a good time. Um, So anyway, so I just want to wish everybody happy sysadmin day. Uh, Nobody will probably even know it exists and you probably won't get anything for it, at least if it's anything like around here because that's how things go here. But uh, still, you know, I got your back and uh, thank you guys for the hard work that you do. In today's episode, I want to talk about building a network. And I mean like a corporate network, um, physically building it, some best practices, and some guides. In the past, we've talked about switches to buy. I talked about layer two and layer three switches, what that means. And today, I want to actually just talk about kind of like the the basics and, and down and dirty part of it of actually the physically building the network and, and what should be done. So all of your network is going to start at basically the point of termination for your incoming internet service providers. Um, Whether that's going to be a modem box they provide you or uh, something that your firewall is going to take care of for you, that's kind of where your network starts. You want to have your ISPs come in, and I highly recommend, especially in a business setting, getting two internet service providers so that uh, if one goes down, you have a backup one. Make sure they don't share a line or you know, come into the building using the same method. You know, For example, we'll have uh, one fiber line and mi- one microwave line, and if the fiber gets cut between here and the major hub in the major city that's 30 miles away, um, you know, no big deal. We have a microwave link that we can use. So once you have your ISPs figured out, invest in a really good firewall. And I mean really good. You want one that won't slow anything down because it's having a hard time processing the information in and out of your building. 
Um, if you have an underpowered firewall, you're going to have a lot of complaints about internet seems slow and network dropped and this web page won't load and all sorts of stuff like that. So invest in a really good firewall um, that will let you turn on all the security features and not slow your users down at all or slow your internet down at all. You also want that firewall to automatically fail over between your internet service providers and be able to figure out which one's the primary and you can kind of set that through the policies on it. Um, but that is something that is important because you may not be around when the internet goes down and you might not have time to run up to the server room and unplug a cable and plug one in to switch internet providers manually. The firewall can do it for you automatically and it usually does it within a packet or two of, of information. So very fast. After your firewall is going to come your core switches. Your core switches are the main switches that are going to control the networking throughout your building, throughout your server room, everything like that. I highly, highly recommend that you have at least two so that you have redundancy and that you have redundant connections to them. And I also recommend that you get 10 gigabit per second ones. Um, you don't really need it, but it's going to eliminate bottlenecks on your network and you are going to just have a, a nicer experience. Not to mention if you have your own hosted servers and you decide to upgrade, you can throw those on the 10 gig network and you have pretty fast networking. It's not going to slow down jobs that are trying to run from a client computer to a server, anything like that. You should have fiber between your firewall, your core switches, and all the rest of your network switches throughout your building. Um, those can be, it's called SFP plus is what the actual connection is. Uh, make sure that the switches you buy support that. Make sure that like what we've talked about, they're secure switches. Your core switches, make sure they're designed for that. They're going to have a beefier processor, be able to handle in and out uh, traffic a whole lot faster than just your regular 48 port managed network switch. Um, so that's something you want to keep in mind. And then uh, servers that you connect to your core switch, or if you have a decent sized server room, you're going to have um, topper rack switches, basically, you know, more 12 port or 48 port switches that you put in the top of all your racks. And uh, your servers in those racks will connect to those switches, and then that those switches will route through fiber patch cable back to your core switch. Um, you know, make sure that those are fiber as well if you plan on doing fiber switches, but you probably want those a good mix of fiber and Ethernet, uh, just in case you have some older equipment, in case you have equipment that doesn't support fiber or 10 gig or SFP plus, I should say. Um, a lot of those will have SFP ports, which is just your standard one gig anyways. Um, if you buy an all fiber switch, they do have a uh, little G-Bit card you plug in for different types of connections. And uh, even though the LC style fiber is the most standard, it's the one that is little, has the two little round ones, um, they do make an option for Ethernet. So if you do need to plug in an Ethernet cable, there is an option there for you as well. Um, something to look into. It's kind of, I'm throwing a lot of information at you at once, I'm sorry. Um, but we're just kind of going, breezing through this as kind of a high level overview. So once you get your server room networking all figured out, you are going to go out to the rest of your building. So the question is, is how do I get networking to the rest of the building and how do I figure that out? You never want to run an Ethernet line more than 300 feet. Um, and the reason behind that is because after 300 feet, the signal starts to degrade to a point where eventually it just becomes unusable. You're going to have drops and all sorts of stuff. 
One of my past companies that I worked at uh, was a big factory. Uh, we had 300,000 square feet in the building. And the previous IT person didn't really contract out the best people to run new lines for him. One of the farther uh, stations, I guess you could call it, um, machines that was running, they were always complaining about their PCs and about how their network is bad and it seems to drop and they always have problems, which is not what anybody else was experiencing. So I took the network tester out and uh, by the way, if you're looking for a good one, go look at Fluke Networks. They make a really good product. Um, they have one that's like $1,500. It's kind of expensive, but it is totally worth it. It will make your life so much easier. So anyway, so I took that out, plugged in, and like I said, shouldn't be over 300 feet, right? You know, if you're within a few feet, no big deal. 685 feet is what that came back as. It was over double what it should be. So of course they were having issues. The reason was that nobody bothered to put in a new network switch anywhere nearby. They just kept running runs from the server room, which was, you know, well over 300 feet away. So that is kind of the reason behind that. The signal degraded so bad that they couldn't even use it. So what do we do? So what you do now is you plan on a map, you know, like if you get blueprints of your building or anything like that, where your network switches are going to be. You try to plan basic, like like a mini closet, or um, they have fully enclosed lockable racks for just a few hundred bucks that you can fit a decent amount of switches in. Try and plan those in strategic locations around your building where every Ethernet wire can get to one of those cabinets within 300 feet or less. And if it can't, then... Uh, kind of shift those around so that you can figure out where to put them and get them all put in there together. It will make your life so much easier. And then you run fiber from your server room back to these little cabinets throughout the building. In that same environment that I was just telling you about, that's what we ended up doing. We completely redid the entire networking for the internal part of the building there. And uh, we ended up with the server room and then we had, I think it was close to eight or nine network cabinets throughout the rest of the building in order to get coverage to everywhere we needed to get coverage to. So do the same, add as many as you need. Uh, it will take some time and because it's fiber, unless you know how to do some fiber terminating, uh, contract that out. There's a lot of good companies out there that can do that pretty cheap for you and uh, it will help you a lot. So now we have your network switches. Now we need to run your Ethernet, right? So my kind of rule of thumb, and you don't have to follow this at all, but my rule of thumb is to where you run one network drop, always run two. Um, so you always have two wires going somewhere. The reason behind that is because if you ever decide to change and put an extra device at a desk, you're not going to have to buy some little you know unmanaged four port network switch because it's just going to be another point of failure on your network um, kind of helps with if you're going to upgrade to any poe devices power over ethernet uh, then you should um, be able to plug one of those in for example a desk phone a lot of uh, voice over internet protocol phones voip phones uh, use that poe and that's another note i guess i should have made earlier is i would highly recommend you buy poe switches at the same time when you run Ethernet, either you personally or a contractor or whatever, you want to try and do two things always. 
you always want to run in right angles, so north-south, east-west, and make nice easy turns. You don't want to bend them, and you want to make it look nice and fairly hidden as best as possible. Uh, having neat and organized cable practices is going to make your life so much easier. It's going to show that you care. But, you know, when it comes down to we have a network problem and it's because a mouse chewed through an Ethernet wire somewhere in the ceiling, you are going to have so much of an easier time tracking that down instead of some crazy mess of bundle of cables that just runs through the ceiling at a diagonal 45 degree, you know, from one corner of the room to the other corner of the room because that's the way that they did it. I uh, don't recommend that at all. It's not good. It's actually not even recommended for best practices. You want nice and nice, even bundles and always run them north, south, east, west, um, in accordance with your building, you know, and uh, um, don't make too tight of a turn with them either. The last thing that I would suggest and this is going to be maybe more on the configuration side instead of the physical side, is, uh, you know, make sure that you have your DHCP and DNS server. Of course, it can be the same server, um, but make sure that that's what it is that issues out IP addresses to the devices on your network. However, um, on your switches, and before you kind of go through all that work, I would highly, highly recommend setting up a VLAN profile. Um, VLAN is just virtual local area networking, and basically what it does is it segregates your network out into different things. So take all of your servers, you put them on one subnet, say 192.168, the dot one subnet, you know, and then dot, you know, whatever, one through 25 or whatever you happen to do behind, do behind that. Put all your PCs on a different subnet, so now they're the dot two. Put all your printers on the dot three, put all your phones on dot four, put all your, your, you know, whatever else that connects to your network physically on that dot five, put your wireless network, anything that connects through Wi-Fi and Wi-Fi access points on dot six, you know, doesn't have to be those numbers, of course, but um, just for example, you will have an easier time managing your network that way. You won't run the risk of uh, running out of IP addresses in your scope if you do that. Um, as you grow, basically, that, that kind of becomes a risk. And uh, it's going to help you out pretty much in the long run with that. So I highly recommend the VLANs as well. Not to mention, you can turn some of those on as priority traffic. So you will want your servers and your uh, VoIP phones to be probably top priority for traffic on your network unless you have some pretty specialized, you know, internet-based applications that run. Um, so that, that way they get the priority traffic and um, things that aren't as necessary can basically kind of just wait for the traffic to clear up before they go through. Um, you shouldn't really run into any issues where that's going to be a, a big deal, but it will really help your network run better in the long run. Alright guys, I'm sorry that was kind of a lot of information just all thrown at you at once. Um, that's kind of why I broke it up into segments. If you are, are listening on Anchor or one of the other platforms that lets you actually choose a segment of the episode, um, that's why it's there. That way you can go back and take it a little piece at a time. Uh, if not, let me know. I'd be happy to uh, kind of slow down and go through things again. Um, but anyway, 
thank you guys for listening. That's going to take care of it for today's episode. And uh, as always, if you're curious about anything, have suggestions or questions or anything like that, be sure to let me know and I will help you out. Thanks, guys.